I'm glad to be here, and it was interesting this time in preparing this. Um, God got me out of bed very early Friday morning, one o'clock or so. <laughs> then uh, I got up again this morning uh, at about uh, 5.30, something like that, 5, 5 So, uh, but it was supposedly already finished. <laughs> but uh, I... Uh, I enjoy the fact that I can look it over afterwards and, and see what else might be added or should have been there in the sermon notes. Uh, what I chose for a title is The Old Way Versus the New Ways. And I'm going to read my Bible as well as the computer notes, so this is going to be interesting because I think it's going to slide away on you. Anyway, okay. Um, the uh, title again is the old way versus the new way. Uh, when I was starting up this idea, of course, the, uh, uh, the thoughts that were coming to my mind was in, uh, in the Beatitudes and those chapters that follow, the verses that follow the Beatitudes and then chapter five, six, and seven, and kind of all together in Matthew. So uh, Jesus said, uh, this was Jesus' statements in the uh, Beatitudes was actually, some consider it to be his inaugural speech. Oh, that's fitting. <laughs> so, okay. uh, um, some said it was uh, another meme, and I thought, well, that sounded a little bit Second World War type meme. And I thought, maybe uh, I'll just go with this inaugural idea. What was Jesus really going to do? Well, I want to bring us up to date a little bit on what. Uh, what was happening about the same time frame with uh, uh, the book of Matthew. And uh, so I thought, well, how much time can I spend on it? But I won't, I won't spend too much time. Uh, the quick overview would be uh, the genealogy of Jesus in the first part of Matthew chapter 1. And then Jesus' birth. So it's kind of a little bit, you know, uh, is there enough there? Maybe it's not enough uh, lesson. Well, obviously not, because there's a lot of things that you need the other four Gospels, or you even need some feedback or feed input from other places to tell those stories. So uh, it's very short in Matthew uh, about the star, and, and so on. we need to know about Bethlehem and the star and the kings of the east. And, um, and then it sounds like you almost jump from there straight to Egypt. Uh, not quite. They had to stay there for eight days so that Jesus could be circumcised. Okay. And then you think, well, okay, then they could go immediately. Uh, no. There was, uh, Mary had to fulfill 33 more days. And then she had to give her, her personal sacrifice to the, to the Lord and to, to the priest. So that took a few more days. And then you realize with the death of the children, it was going to be somewhere about two years after all of this was happening. And that does give time for the kings of the East to, to have been there and given the money. And you don't know if there's three kings or ten, and you don't know if they traveled. Uh, one traveled with a big entourage, or whether there was three or four or five kings that came with their entourages of each one. But it's a long way across the desert, about 400 miles. And uh, so sometimes I joke about it, they didn't come overnight and get the king out of bed. And, <laughs> uh, 
No, those things wouldn't have happened. And if they were dignitary type people, maybe advisors to kings of their countries, they would, would uh, have come with a number of people with them. Uh, and the amount of wealth that they brought, I don't know whether it was great or small, it never says, and there was three um, gifts given, but you don't know how much of each one or, or just what happened. Uh, but we presume that there was uh, three gifts and three wise men. And some of that we shouldn't uh, make it too heavy. But anyway, after that, uh, some say, well, uh, Joseph and Mary had sufficient money enough to do the travel to, to Egypt, and that makes sense. Um, if they're going there to move there and stay there, uh, you might have more to take with you. And uh, of course, you wouldn't have uh, Mary have a baby and then immediately put her on a donkey and head for Egypt. That wouldn't have made sense. So uh, you need more of the story. You need to read in the four Gospels and elsewhere, even about uh, how it was going to be about that time of life uh, for them. But they did go to Egypt. And uh, of course, Herod, there's quite a story about these three Herods, and they were of a different nationality. They were not uh, Hebrew people that were there in power. They were the Roman government had put them into power. So pretty awful people when you check them out, who they were and what they did. Uh, one was uh, a relative in power that was there when they beheaded John the Baptist. And when Jesus was uh, being ruled over and eventually put to death, that was another area of the family, uh, not all the same person. Uh, they do occasionally put in another name to go with Herod so that we can separate them. But, uh, if you know the era and how many years had gone by and so on, it's pretty easy to put the pieces together. So uh, then you get into chapter 2 where uh, uh, the visits of the wise men and the star, uh, the telling of the children in, in Bethlehem area that were two years old and younger, and the outlying area of the city. So they're being sure to capture Jesus and have him put to death. Uh, that didn't happen. God was involved and God got him out of there and uh, his parents took him to Egypt. So uh, then they, uh, they also returned from Egypt in the last part of chapter 2. Chapter 3 jumps immediately, immediately to Jesus' baptism as an adult. And the story goes on almost immediately on uh, where he started his ministry. So this was you know, quite a few years after this time in Egypt and coming back from Egypt. And uh, they went to, uh, uh, they were going to go back to Bethlehem probably, but because there were still people around that might have remembered and wanted to cause trouble, they decided they would just divert and go to Nazareth, which is you know, straight up from Bethlehem and Jerusalem, and it's about halfway between the, um, uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. So it's up, up pretty high up there about halfway in between, where they went to the city of Nazareth. And that was prophesied to be called a Nazarene. Okay, so that he was fulfilling things that he had no power over when he was so little. But uh, I think there's uh, easily 40, some 43 prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus' life. And uh, that's the easy ones to cut up and to know that there's proof of Jesus being that person. 
then in chapter 4 is the 40 days and 40 nights uh, fasting, and then Satan comes along and does the tempting of Jesus. Very interesting to read about uh, how he stopped Satan cold every time. A strange practice, that uh, cunning way that Satan tried to use things like offering Jesus what belonged to Jesus already. If you'll bow down to me, you know, you'll have all of this. No, no, Jesus already owns it. <laughs> he created her, and was his. You know? So uh, Satan is connived. Uh, uh, then uh, um, immediately after that, in the middle of chapter 4, um, Jesus um, begins to uh, do a, 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 to pick his disciples. And there's four mentioned there. Because there's Peter and his brother. And then there's, hmm, may have to turn, uh, James and John. Wait a second. I'll get Simon, Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and then also down a little bit is James and John, the brothers, uh, uh, said that he was a father. So, uh, anyway, that's, uh, and they left their father and the nets that they were working with and around, the fishermen as their trade, and Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. And he starts his Galilean ministry, they call it. So he did not go immediately to Jerusalem and, and start there, his Galilean ministry. And obviously I've missed what's not there in Matthew is the wedding of Canaan. In Canaan, the wedding. And so all of, you have to have these other pieces, what I'm getting at, is to read the scriptures and to read those other uh, gospels as well as other materials that would explain what was happening. There is, uh, when Jesus started the uh, Beatitudes in chapter 5, it goes all the way to verse 12, um, the Beatitudes plus the following part of that chapter in chapter 6 and 7, there is a total of 19 doctrinal statements. Interesting. We think it's too long a list if you have more than, well, 19 is a fair amount. <laughs> Doctrinal statements and, and, and beliefs. Uh, and how do I know it's doctrinal? When he got all done with those chapters and he was preaching from the mountain and the people were amazed, in the end of chapter 7, uh, I need to read it. I like read from the scripture. Chapter 7, the last two verses. And it came to pass when he ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. Okay, and then uh, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scraps. Well, guess what? He owns this place. <laughs> he can speak with authority, right? He's the son of God. He can speak with authority. So uh, they, they noticed that. They were able to feel it. Okay, so... Uh, um, when we get into, if a person is studying those, we need to really think about the spirit side of it, of what we're talking about, how we would feel, what we saw and heard. So now let's go to this, the statements, like an eye for an eye. Okay, this is the old way, was an eye for an eye. And that's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. 
10.39. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him also the other. That's the old way. And so we begin to think, well, what is really the new way? And Matthew 5, verse 10, is where we're going to find these words. Sometimes I want to read a few extra words. This one, yes, I'd like to read 11, 12. Oh, we got them here, okay. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not a free ride. You may get persecuted. Okay. Verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, that's not easy, and persecute you, and say all manner of evil against, uh, against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecute they the prophets which were before you. There's a record being kept. <laughs> so uh, it will be reported in heaven. And the blessings will come down from, from heaven. Uh, it's not that we have to go up there to get them. It doesn't say that here. <laughs> but they're, they're available through heaven. So then when we think of the old and the new again, we begin to look at other verses. Um, we are taught here to love your enemy. And to... Uh, and make it completely different from the old way where it was uh, fight and so on. Um, let's say I want Matthew 5, 49, 30, 40, 43 and 44. 43 and 44 in chapter 5. So 43, ye have heard that it was said, has been said, that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. That was the old way. Jesus is talking about something entirely different, and this is in 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that uh, them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That would be really hard if you took them one at a time and said, oh, they're doing this to me, they're doing that to me, and they're doing that to me. Uh, I don't think I like this. But God is a just God, and he's saying it'll be taken care of. He'll balance the books. <laughs> uh, there's there's going to be somebody paid for these things if they did wrong. Uh, there's, uh, it's all added up. It's not just uh, your loss, but uh, God is watching. God is seeing. So uh, I begin to think about some of the old ways when they would go out to battle. And I thought, there's more things about this than weapons. Remember, David had to go and try on the weapons. And he said, no, no, this, this is, I'm not, I haven't proven these. They're too heavy. There's too much weight involved. Uh, I, I'm not going in God's will. I'm going in the will and the strength of all these weapons that you're putting on me. And he said, no, I, I won't do this. And he had already fought other animals out in the field. He said, I'll just take my slingshot <laughs> or his sling. <laughs> and he got uh, five stones, which is very interesting. Number five in the Bible is usually a salvation type thing. 
So uh, the five was sufficient. I think they only needed one. We had five just in case uh, of these stones. So uh, I want to start with Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. So I'm jumping around here a little bit. Uh, I also want Romans. I guess I'll do Romans first. And then I'll need to look up in the Bible. Romans 12. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Chapter 12, and I want to start with verse 17. 12, 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Oh, this is a new way, right? Provide things honestly in the sight of all men. People are watching. You're supposed to have a Christian attitude about things. Provide for yourself and for others in an honest way. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, as much as you can. Because sometimes it's just not. <laughs> and if that other person is uh, well taken over by Satan, it's going to be miserable or impossible. So as much as lieth in you. And then verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but, it, but rather give place unto wrath. Say, whoa. Is that okay? It's here in the scripture. You can be angry. Another place says be angry and say no. Um, you can be angry. You can be upset. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Okay. I guess I'll let God take care of it. <laughs> okay. It's probably going to be a lot better off if God takes care of it. Therefore, if an enemy hungry, hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt be coals of fire on his head. I've heard people say, well, um, maybe I can do more for him and he'll get more coals. Uh, wrong attitude. <laughs> That's a bad attitude. Okay. Um, whatever's going to happen, we just stay out of it and let God handle it. Uh, just do our thing and feed him or give him drink and, and so on. But be not overcome of evil that overcome evil with that is our command. That is our way of life. The old way wasn't good for us. wasn't going to help. You can't force a person to change their mind. So we might as well leave that up to the Heavenly Father and not to be overcome with the evil that's around about us. There's a lot of it around us. But don't let it get to you. In fact, the other way around is to overcome evil with good. So I wanted to read that straight out of the text that I have here. Then I want to go to Matthew 10, like I said, Matthew 10 and verse 8. When he, Jesus was sending out people, he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out the devils freely, ye have received, freely give. That's the chapter 10, verse 8. Then I want to jump to Luke chapter 9, verse 2. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. We have a job to do. Going out, telling people about Christ, about the kingdom, soon coming, but heal the sick. It didn't say only if you have this and this with you. No, you do it. <laughs> okay. You're the one. You heal the sick. 
<laughs> then uh, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 9, it says, I heal the sick that are there in, in this, the town that you be at, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. It's there, available, it's right there. You need to learn about it. You should get involved and know that the kingdom of God is there and what that really means. Okay, I want to jump down to uh, uh, chapter 5 in Matthew now. I've, yeah, got that on here, just it's a little bit different place. Uh, Matthew 5 and verse, uh, verse 16. Matthew 5. Five, verse 16. Uh, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why would you do good works? Are you commanded to do good works? Yes, you are. But why are you doing it? And so that the Heavenly Father may be blessed. Maybe people will see what's happening in your life and what you're doing for the Heavenly Father and they will thank the Heavenly Father, or bless the Heavenly Father. That's the goal. That's the reason for it. It's a new way, isn't it? Uh, I got to thinking about money and time for the needy and so on. And, and we need a story, right? It would be better to use a story. How about if we go to Luke chapter 10? I think they've got enough of the verses here, but I, I think I'd like to go to the Bible because I think I can follow my underlines in my own text. So turn me to jump to, uh, I'm going to say Matthew, Luke, Luke chapter 10, and verse 30. Here we go. Chapter 10 and verse 30, it's quite a ways down. Oh, yes, this, as soon as you get to the text and you read one word or two, there was a certain man, Jesus answered and said, so you might want to know what was above this, but um, a certain man who was going to tell a story went from Jerusalem, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Why did he say went down? It's downhill, about 5,000 feet. So he went down to Jericho, which is right down by the uh, Jordan River. And while he was on his way, it says here, and he fell among thieves and stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Okay, now you have to read all the way down to the end of verse 36, but the story goes somewhat like this. He's in trouble. For no good reason, he's in trouble. He must be one of God's people, Hebrew at least. And you could complain and say, God, why did this happen to me? I'm a good guy. Uh, bad things happen to good people. And maybe it was meant for a purpose. Maybe there was something coming out of this. Yes, there is. There's a story right here. We can learn a lesson 2,000 years after the situation. So when he was hurt, along came a priest. And he looked at him. And he passed by on the other side. He wasn't going to touch this guy. He's probably dead. I would have to get my hands dirty. 
I'd have to get involved in this situation. I'd have to declare whether it's clean or not clean and see to it it got to the clinic and the uh, changes passed by. Then along came a Samaritan. Oh, I missed one. Verse 32 is a Levite thing. Same deal. He looked, but he didn't know. So the Levite just went by on the other side. And then along comes a Samaritan. Oh, another one of those guys. The Hebrew people hated the Samaritans. They were half-breeds, half-Hebrew and half-who-knows-what. So they hated them. And as he journeyed, he came where the man was, saw him and had compassion on him. Hey, we need to learn a lesson, is what Jesus is saying. This guy saw what the problem was, and he had compassion. So he bound up his wounds, he poured on oil and wine. The wine is for killing germs, okay, alcohol. Poured it on, and so he made sure all his wounds were taken care of. Then he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn, which was medical attention, and bed for him and care for him. So he took him there. And on the morrow when the, the, the Samaritan had to go on, he talked with the people there and gave uh, two pence, which was possibly two days' wages. It's interesting to ask. Remember when uh, there's a story about the guy hired somebody and gave him a penny for the day, and somebody else came and said, I'll give you a penny also for, for the length of time you're there. Then somebody else came, and somebody was unhappy at the end because they all got the same pay, and, yeah, interesting story. So that penny was worth quite a bit of money, a day's wage. So he gave the innkeeper, the host, that money, and then he said, whatsoever thou spendest more, ooh, that's a wide open possibility of expense. They said, whatever you spend more on this fellow, I'll come back and I'll pay. I will repay you. And then verse 36, which now of these three the priest, Levite, or that's American, uh, do you think was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And there's probably a break in there for people to think a little. And the answer came, and he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Now this is a commandment in the New Testament. Wow. Jesus said, go and do the same. Go and take care of somebody. Go and do good for somebody. Oh, interesting. So there are commandments in the New Testament. <laughs> I'm teasing, of course, because there's plenty of uh, hinted or real uh, commandments like that all over the, the scripture. So, okay, now let's go to the old way that we're thinking in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm going to need to turn there too because I've got from 8 to 17. But let's go to Ephesians. And some of these I was able to put the whole works in. So Ephesians chapter 5. Starting with verse 
For ye were sometimes darkness, sometimes darkness. Ye were, he's talking to the Ephesian people in the church. Ye were sometimes darkness. That's bad stuff. But now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So this is the switch. The old way is this way. You were in darkness. You were doing bad things. You were bad people. You, you know, your language, your, your mannerisms, and everything was showing, despicable. But now you're light in the Lord. You've been lightened. All of your, your ideas have been turned around. Uh, so if you are turned around, then walk as children of light. That's a commandment again. Do it. Walk as children of light. Then, then it goes into the fruit of the Spirit and uh, proving what's acceptable to the Lord and uh, don't do the unfutural works of darkness and uh, reprove them, rather reprove those actions, those things that are going on. Don't have fellowship with the unfruitful works. Uh, it's a shame to even talk of those things, it says in verse 12. But all things that uh, are reproved are made manifest by the light. The light is going to wake people up. It's going to show what's bad and what's good. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Whatsoever is doing this or that, it's going to show up in the light of Jesus, the light of the scriptures, the light of the Holy Spirit. It's going to show up. And you can tell the difference between right and wrong. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. The, that direction is death. Get out of there. Get up, arise from there, get away from that, and Christ will give you light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Difference between an old way and a new way. Don't do the old way. But do it smartly, wisely, not as fools. Redeeming the time, that means don't let the time slip away and buy back that time or use it wisely while you're there. Because the days are evil. There's so much going on in our world that would rob us from this and that and that and that. Our attention and things that we can do. Um, we need to get away from that and we'll spend our time wisely. Redeeming the time. Verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, that's a command again, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand it. We read it, but let it sink in and think about the aspects of it and what's really going on that we need to pay attention to. Okay, so the new way is to uh, give freely of ourselves and to uh, do things like missionary type work uh, anywhere at home or away. Uh, do things that will spread the gospel and win souls with uh, uh, ex expecting things to happen and using the examples of the scripture to know how to handle these things. The prophets, the Old Testament prophets, we are that to our world. They can pray to God and get things done. Can we? Of course. See, it's, it's different, but it's got the same kind of way of logic that we can use to the glory of God. Um, they, it's men or women in the New Testament. Or, uh, were they in the Old Testament? Of course. Do you remember the women prophets? 
Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yes, all can be used of God and, uh, and have God's blessing on what we're doing. We need to show a better way of life, not that old way that you used to be. Uh, one like uh, that would be for changing the ways like Christ, to be Christ-like. Change our ways to that. Uh, we had a pamphlet called About Face. Completely turn around your life from the way you view things and the way you do things. I don't think that booklet is still available, but it would be good if it was resurrected and rebuilt. Uh, in another place it says, be conformed to Christ and his ways. That's in Romans 12, verse 2. I do have that on here. Romans 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world. Don't let it happen. Don't just fit in and don't let anybody know that you're different. And we are bought with a price. We are different. But be ye transformed. I love that word. It's a electronics term. You can build up or you can build down. The little charger is building from the big house wiring down to charging this computer. Uh, lower low voltages, or you can go the other way. You can take all the power in the Heavenly Father's realm be channeled through you for healing, for teaching, for growing truth and knowledge. So we need to be transformed in our lives by the renewing of our minds. To, uh, yes, that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we're doing it for, is for the Heavenly Father's well-being, for his good, for his example, to be his servants. Um, Jesus would like us to be converted in our views and attitudes and actions, the true way, uh, not violence, but in love, joy, so on, uh, being uh, peaceful, fruits of righteousness, it says in another place, right? Um, so then I've got on here, uh, and I looked up another one of these new, when you search the Bible just for the word new, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We sure want that new, right? Get rid of the old and build on Christ. And all things will look differently. The world will be different. In Ephesians 4.24, it also says, And that ye put on the new man, and woman, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wow. So when we switch to turning around the other way and being transformed and changed to what Christ would have us to be, um, we will have just like a new creation, a new start over. He said that we would be a new creature in righteousness. We don't want that old one. It was a bad deal. Uh, we were bad people. We needed to be changed. We needed to come out of that wickedness and true Holiness is where we're heading. True holiness. 
So I thought of uh, one other one where it says, go find my sheep wherever they are and bring them in. I guess that's a song as well, but there's a lot of verses that would help bring them, you're bringing them to salvation. So in conclusion, I just ran a couple of thoughts by, by my head. So here we go. Um, to be the example to believers, that's a new way, new things that we're doing. The old way is in, in our past, and we are looking for the new way of doing it. An example would be believers, an example to others. Teach others so that they can take your place. You give away your faith so they can take your place. We don't live forever. We're going to need somebody else to follow behind, right? And there's verses like that. This is very plain. Uh, in fact, I looked that one up last night. I always remember left side of the page, outside following, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, that we need to teach others so that they can teach others. Um, don't sit down and click. Join clicks. Do you remember Peter was an example of that? He went to Antioch. And he was fine until they got all the service together and Hebrew people were sitting over there and the Gentiles were sitting over here and he went and sat with the Hebrew people. Uh-oh. And Paul had to straighten them up in front of everybody. <laughs> so I guess that's not a very good thing to do, uh, to not have uh, partiality uh, and to withstand those things. Um, no uh, maintaining of, uh, there's no mention, yeah, there's no mention of government stand. Uh, the Romans are, well, that wasn't said, right? And the Romans would actually come along with soldiers and they'd say, you carry my bag for a mile. And he said, don't argue with him, just carry it for two if he regrets, if he wants you to. Okay. There was no fighting against the government system. Uh, just said, uh, do it if they ask. Uh, Jesus paid taxes. I've actually run on the people in Oklahoma City area years ago, between 1995, that would not pay income tax. Called themselves a good Christian too. Sabbath keeper. And then I ran into one in Oregon, well, actually through the wall of all the church, would not pay taxes. Thought he was pretty proud that he could defend himself against the law of the land. He was not going to pay taxes. Didn't Jesus say, Peter, you go down and catch that fish and when you open his mouth and pay two coins, you go and give taxes for me and have taxes for you. There's no argument. Huh? Give to Caesar, render to Caesar. Well, his Caesar, Thomas says, oh, his face is on that coin. Give it to him. Now, that's kind of the Attitude, don't, don't uh, oppose those things that are not going to help the, the Christian way of life or the example to the world or uh, your freedom of action and abilities. Uh, get all bent out of shape on those things. That's the old way. Okay, uh, so let me jump down here a little bit further. Oh, when you go to the other countries, you don't have to teach them Hebrew and Hebrew culture and traditions. Right? It's a new way. You don't have to learn Hebrew before you can accept Christ. 
You don't have to live in Jerusalem, which some thought years ago, that you had to move to Jerusalem where you couldn't get salvation. Wow, isn't that crazy? Don't find it in the scriptures. Paul didn't tell them, okay, you all move down there to Jerusalem now. The Ephesians and the Corinthians and the they were told to stay where they were and get to work for the Lord. Okay, uh, so we need to teach good things. Uh, we need to learn for ourselves things from the Psalms. Remember when I just finished reading the Psalms with, uh, with CD player and following along in the Bible, it just absolutely amazed us with, the, with each chapter almost. But the last 10 chapters, I guess we did all in one go. They're short chapters in them. And really amazing about uh, singing, learning the love of the Lord, praising, excuse me, uh, praising, really learning the, the God's word and, and uh, uh, understanding it, reading it, uh, is important to all of us. We need to be doing it. And use musical instruments as part of our praise service. It's great. Teach the full gospel. The full proof of your ministry, if you remember those words from uh, Paul talking to Timothy, rather than some idea from somewhere or a hobby horse. I ran into a guy in, he was from Oregon, came to the Walmart Church for just a little bit, he was kind of passing through. We started listening to what he had to say. Somebody through radio had convinced him that he needed to get over here to Texas because it was the only state in the Union that had the right to secede from the government and uh, leave the Union, and that he needed to be there because of safety for, for personal safety, not for studying the gospel. And he was on his way. So I and another guy, <laughs> we had a good talk with him. And he stayed with a grandpa or somebody there for a little while and went back to Portland. That's not God's way. If you were going there as a missionary, that's a different story. If you're going there because you're going to honor some man, live under somebody else's roof or, or their, their planes and their hobby horses and so on, uh, that would be wrong. I guess that was 1998 for the young man when I last talked with him. So many false prophets are going around. Jesus predicted it, right? That there would be false prophets, even false Jesus. That would say, I'm a false Christ. He wouldn't say I'm a false Christ, but he was. Uh, Jesus is over here, or Jesus is over there, Jesus is over there. We're not supposed to listen to him, right? Okay, that's the advice in the scriptures. That we need to stay away from those false prophets that will come in the latter days. Okay, um, if we take Jesus' um, ways, stories about Jesus, stories of faith that we should teach others, there's at least 40 topics of faith that we can teach. Very easy. On computers nowadays, no problem. I marvel at some of the stuff I'm reading from the 50s, and they were doing it all with the strongest concordance, which was about the best they had. Wow. Now we can press a button, it's there. There are at least 66 or more Christian characteristics in the Bible. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. You, know, you start going down a list like that, and there's 66 of them. 
and I had to find this out over a long period of time. It's down in Portland, Oregon, at a chemical conference down there. When got one guy was making a list and he was driving to and from work and writing down his list, he used two sides, the evil side or um, pride, pride and so on on this side, the other side was the love of God and righteousness and so on. He was writing down Christian characteristics. How about if we taught them all? Go to everybody and teach those good things. May God bless you.